I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Shame on me for not mentioning it's Friday. The usual crew is here. Uh, James is with me all day. Uh, Trista Crick coming up at the top of the 2 o'clock hour. Uh, Kyle Matson probably at some point will join us when Trista Crick's still talking. Uh, so we've got all that coming up uh, in the 2 o'clock hour uh, as we normally do. Uh, we've also got Kings basketball coming up today uh, at 4 o'clock. The Kings and the Pacers, the second and final matchup of the year. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is out due to personal reasons. That is all we know. A lot of people are connecting the dots on their own. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. But for now, we'll just say that De'Aaron Fox is out due to personal reasons until we hear otherwise. James, this could be a big night for Davion Mitchell. And one of the first things when we started the live stream and got going and got talking uh, that the Chatty House was talking about was, oh, they got they got their all-star over there in Indiana, but we got off night. And, and Davion Mitchell has an opportunity to step up with De'Aaron Fox out of the lineup and do some damage defensively. But maybe more specifically, and I think Kings fans would absolutely love to see this, he's obviously going to get extended minutes tonight. That's where he usually does some pretty good damage offensively. Yeah, he needs to find himself. And this is one of those opportunities. You know, in the NBA, you don't often get opportunities like this where you go from playing, you know, eight to 10 minutes one night to, you know, potentially 30 something tonight. And uh, it's a good matchup for, for Davion. He's a physical player. Uh, he'll absolutely love going one-on-one against uh, Tyrese Halliburton if that's the way it works out. Of course, Ty is is questionable still for tonight um, with a myriad of illness, uh, ailments. He's, he's pretty beat up uh, coming back from injury. And he played last night. Um, but uh, when it comes to... Like Davion, like, you know, again, if he could like build on something right here, that's one of the, the things that I've noticed throughout his career. He doesn't do a good job of stacking like successes, right? So um, we remember De'Aaron Fox went down in a game earlier in the in the season and Davion stepped in and played 19, uh, played, played a ton of minutes and scored 19 points, right? Then the next game, De'Aaron misses and, you know, Davion, he, he couldn't do anything. He didn't score. I mean, he just wasn't impactful at all. And so I would like to see him like figure it out because again, what I've seen throughout his career is one night he decides he's going to be like a big time assist man and he'll get six or seven assists. The next night he'll try to be a big scorer and he, he can score, but he won't get any assists. And like, he, he can't really do manage how to like balance everything in one game, except for the little stretch where he was handed the keys to the car and, been given major minutes so um yeah man when it when the coach points your way you got to go in play hard and figure it out and and make an impact and and maybe get yourself right uh Davion the first time that these two teams played at the Golden One Center on November 30th I think he took more of the approach of wanting to be a scorer he played 20 minutes that night was three of six from the field had eight points 
uh, to go along with just two assists. Of course, the Kings won that game uh, in a very uh, uh, ruckus atmosphere uh, at the Golden One Center, 137 uh, to 114. Seven players uh, in a Kings uniform were in double digits that night, including all five starters, along with Malik Monk and Terrence Davis. It's one of the more yeah. memorable, night, memorable nights of the season, I think. They were yeah, coming off fun. a three-game losing streak, and everybody uh, knew what that game was, and they were they were ready for it. And, and <laughs> Buddy got the treatment, and Tyrese got the love, and it was a it was a ball game for a while. And then the Kings decided, yeah, we're 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 winning this one on our home floor. Yeah, I think you're going to find that Buddy Heald and uh, Tyrese Halliburton both like will want to stick it to the Kings for the rest of their career. And so you're going to have them like coming at you no matter what. Now, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I, I don't know. Cause I like buddy healed under pressure has never been, it's n- not usually a good thing. Um, you know, that, I've watched plenty of times where buddy healed under pressure didn't quite work out for the Sacramento Kings. Um, uh, but when it comes to Ty, like this, it's always going to mean something to him. It's always going to mean a lot to him. And, uh, whether he can harness that and, and make it, you know, a positive is, is going to be up to him. I'm not sure that he, he can every single time. And it's kind of what we saw last time. He wasn't great against the Kings last time they played. And I think having Davion go one-on-one against him, they're close. They're buddies when they're here in Sacramento, you know, and, and I really do think that, uh, it, it should be a fun like battle between the two. The Pacers did look really good last night uh, against the Lakers. Uh, they were in control of that game. I, I was actually rooting for the Pacers last night, uh, ha- have them take out a Western Conference team along the way. Uh, but they weren't able to close out. Tyrese was really good. Tyrese started strong. You could tell Tyrese was itching to play basketball last night. Like, he came out hot. He And I'm not talking about just scoring. I'm talking, I think he finished with 26 and 12, if I remember correctly, 26 points, 12 assists. But he came out hot. He's, I think he had maybe 17 in the first half. Um, but it was just something they couldn't close. And when LeBron came back in with, you know, eight or nine minutes left, that's where the game kind of shifted. And LeBron took over. And then Anthony Davis had a big block on Tyrese uh, late in the game. And they put the clamps down on Buddy Heald on the final possession and kind of forced him to the baseline to where he just kind of had to throw something up and the Lakers were able to walk away with the win. So we kind of go back to some things we were talking about earlier in the week, James, is these wounded teams, these wounded animals and how desperate they may be. Indiana is far from out of it, but what direction do they choose to go? And when do they decide to, when do they decide their direction? Uh, because last night they played well enough to win that game last night. Uh, they just, they couldn't just close it out. Of course, there is the caveat of it's Now that's the first night of a back-to-back. Now you got Tyrese coming right back and just getting into two straight games. Indiana's got three games in, 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 in four nights. So how they manage this thing uh, over the next couple of days will be pretty interesting to me. Yeah, I think it'll be very interesting. Um, you know, if you look at the game that they played last night, well, I mean, just – like, look, Indiana's lost four straight, and they've lost 15 out of 16. Like, they are due. They're really searching for a win. And this was a a legitimate playoff team before Halliburton got hurt. 
and they've found you know playing without Halliburton nearly impossible. And I mean, it makes sense. He's he's the center of their universe as far as a player. He's a guy that's setting everybody up. I, I'm really impressed with the numbers he put up last night. But also, like, there's some other like subplots in this game, like Benedict Matherin uh, versus Keegan Murray, and they they won't match up against each other all that much. But you know, Matherin's coming off a, a subpar game where he only. Uh, he only played 20 minutes, scored five points. And, you know, he's a guy who's in the uh, rookie of the year, like conversation. Um, and it's like, who's going to be second? Is it going to be Matherin or is it going to be Keegan? Um, and it's hilarious and, that that's the conversation. Like there's it? a fight for second place because we all know who's winning the award. But there's, a, okay, now, now, now the question is who's going to finish second? Like you don't yeah. get anything. It's not like you get a small trophy for finishing second. Like you literally <laughs> get nothing. So it's a it's a fascinating uh, media fan created question. I totally agree, but I'll also tell you like just going back to some of the other rookie of the years, like there is a tremendous amount of value for a player who is on a very good team who's playing thirty minutes a game plus on a very good team and, and productive member of what they're doing versus a guy who's on a bad team who who's just putting up stats. And so like we want to say that it's over and that. Bancaro is clearly going to win the rookie of the year, but I'm going to leave a small door open here. If, if Keegan can get up to like 14, 14 and a half, maybe 15 points by the end of the season, which is a tall t- task. Uh, but if he's still shooting 41, 42% from three, uh, you know, he's up over five rebounds a game and he, he's a productive member on a team that's going to the playoffs and, you know, a, a three, four, five seed. Uh, I think he will get more consideration than people are, are thinking, especially when you look at some of the raw numbers that Paolo's putting up as far as uh, his three-point shooting percentage is way down. Um, his overall field goal percentage is way down. Like, Keegan is is like a lot more efficient player than, than Paolo is. And those things can be considered when you're looking at, like, uh, rookie of the year uh, as far as, like, MVP balloting and stuff like that. All, the numbers matter sometimes and not just the volume of points or the volume of rebounds, but how you're doing it. And so I, I'm not going to write this one off and say that Keegan's already lost it. Uh, he'll have an opportunity here. I'll give a ton of credit to Draymond Green, who I think it was at a, I think it was at a press conference. Uh, he wasn't referring to Keegan Murray. He was referring to the young guys, and not even necessarily rookies, just like the crop of young players that the Golden State Warriors have on their team. And he was talking about how, you know, it's 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 a bit unfair to judge them the same way that you judge other players in the league because you are drafted that high. You're normally drafted on a team like the Detroit Pistons where you've got the opportunity. You're on a sorry basketball team where you've got the opportunity to go in there and you've got a year – two years to really kind of figure things out, get your feet under you, make mistakes, be given leeway to make mistakes. It's a very different it's very different when you're on a team that is expected to win and needs you to produce. And while the Sacramento Kings may not have been externally expected to win, internally they very much were. And they desperately needed to. And Keegan Murray desperately needed to be a part of that. Uh, so it's kind of a and I and I thought that was such a, a a great point by Draymond Green because we look at those young guys and we we speak about the disappointment of them or 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 you were hoping this guy would be this or this guy would be that or constantly putting them in trade conversations it's like well the measurement of those guys you can't measure them the same way you measure like a Jalen Green 
or a Paolo Bancaro or those guys who have the opportunity on the Houston Rockets or the Detroit Pistons or the Orlando Magic to really figure out the league uh, in a handful of years. Um, Keegan has to produce, and when he doesn't, his coach is going to tell him about it, <laughs> which which we've seen uh, publicly a couple of times. I don't even know if we talked about that. I, I think we did the the – the on-court coaching moment uh, that we had. We, we had been familiar with those moments with Terrence Davis in the past. We regularly see Mike Brown do it. We've seen him do it with Keegan Murray before, but this was one of those times where Mike was in the middle of the court in a position that he's talking Keegan Murray through with all of these cameras rolling and all of that. Like he's He has to be coached, he has to be called out, and he has to produce, and that's not the case with with, with other rookies drafted that high. Yeah, I mean, first of all, hat tip to uh, to Birdie, Mike Bird, who runs the telecast, who who's getting those shots into the telecast for you, because that's not something that that's a decision that they're making to stick a little bit longer commercial breaks and to make sure that they're showing you something that you're not going to see very often. Mike Brown is is one of the rare coaches that you're you'll see that actually like takes moments on the court as a head coach to actually coach a player up in the middle of a game. I mean, that's is very rare. Even like I remember, uh, is it Brett Brown? Um, when Nerlens Noel was sitting out his his rookie season um, in pregame, I found it really odd and intriguing actually that Brett Brown was out on the court as a head coach, working with Nerlens Noel on building his jump shot. And to me, it was amazing to watch a, an actual like head coach doing development stuff on the court. Um, and I, I think what we're seeing from Mike Brown is like he knows his connection with Keegan and he he wants to make sure that Keegan knows he's watching what's happening and he needs to hold him accountable and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, those are those are big time moments. And, you know, Keegan's coming off a bad game where he shot over eight. He's going to want to go out there and do big things. And you're going up against, you know, a young player who had big expectations, it, which he'll probably see time against in uh, Aaron Neesmith. And that guy's had a rocky, rocky first two years in the league, but he seems to be finding himself, and he was really good against the Lakers last night. Um, so, you know, there are these matchups that you're going to run into. Even when you bring up the the Draymond stuff, like, look at how their, their young guys are crumbling. Like, you know, Moses Moody's not part of the rotation. He's he's being sent down to to uh, Santa Cruz half the time. And, and Jonathan Kaminga and, and James Wiseman, like it's so much pressure for a young player. And if you don't understand that, like the difference between what Jaden Ivey is able to do for Detroit or what Bancaro is able to do with no pressure of winning games um, versus what Keegan is going through where, man, like your mistakes matter. And like, it's a big deal when you make mistakes and uh, it's just a different level of pressure. And some players are, are built for it and others aren't. And uh, the Kings philosophy is like, we know what we know about a player. That's what we're going to base our, our judgment on. We know what we're getting. We know what we we believe a player can do. And they're, they're kind of taking out this whole idea of what kind of ceiling you might have because your ceiling is going to be an opportunity more than it is, you know, anything else. I mean, how you deal with that opportunity is where you can go as a player. And that's probably a discussion, too, when you have players who are close in talent i don't think it's a conversation when there's a big talent discrepancy but players who are close in talent and you can weigh it's the thing we heard 
really nonstop about Keegan Murray through this process was no matter what you thought about Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray's ready right now. Jaden Ivey will be very good. Jaden Ivey might be good year one, but Keegan Keegan's ready right now. Like he he's he is the most NBA ready player uh, out there, and that's got a way into. I'm sure teams like Golden State. Well, Golden State was sort of playing with house money. Uh, but it obviously was incredibly vital for Sacramento to have a player who didn't really need to figure things out uh, over the course of the next year, but was comfortable in his game right now and can be coached, which, again, we've seen on numerous occasions. I think we need a coach cam. Tell Birdie we just might need a coach cam on one of the other NBC channels that just follows Mike and maybe you know Doug and Jay and those guys around uh, for, for the entirety of the game. We'll come back, Hammer. Uh, I mentioned earlier, outside of De'Aaron Fox getting snubbed out of an all-star appearance, it was a relatively good night uh, for the Sacramento Kings. And we'll spend some time trashing Dylan Brooks, because why not? Uh, Trista Crick at the top of the hour, Kyle Matson after that, James Ham here all day. Steve Owen Casey on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast zlo and kc continues streaming live on the odyssey app i need to mention this really quick because i don't want to forget hammer this might not mean anything to you uh, James, but 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 Jesse, go ahead and make note of this. Giannis Antetokounmpo won my belt back last night. 
So we have <laughs> don't don't shake your head. I can see you shaking your head, Jesse. Knock it off. So we have these 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 belts that are they're, they're basically like they're belt they're championships. And for like two some odd years, Giannis Antetokounmpo had it. And about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I was like, Jason Tatum is having a run where I'm going to acknowledge him as the best right now. And I feel like Giannis has scored 50 every game since I did that. So I'm just putting the belt uh, back on Giannis. And I'm moving that we strike Tatum's reign uh, from the record and just run with a, a straight Giannis. So this is all for Jesse, who's in the background laughing at me and shaking his head. Uh, but but Giannis Antetokounmpo is just the most ridiculous player in basketball right now. Scored 50 for the third time in the last month last night. It's a bad man. Scored yeah, 20 and, in the fourth. Him and Luca, like, the things that Luca does too, like, you just, how in the world? I mean... One of them has like very few players around him, so I mean he has yeah. to do that every night. Uh, Giannis at least has some, you know. They, well, he's got another All Star now. Well, it, well, he does, and that All Star. And this isn't a shot. I just want to give you a, some context as to what what went on yesterday. And shout out, we should all be uh, celebrating Giannis because that twenty in the fourth quarter helped them beat the Los Angeles Clippers, and that's what we need here. He had fifty four uh, last night. Uh, 54 points, 19 rebounds. Uh, Drew Holiday, uh, on the day he was named an All-Star, had 12. Uh, Chris Middleton had 16, and and that was that was it. That's what that's what they got. Like this this was the Giannis Antetokounmpo show. He scored 54 of the Milwaukee Bucks 106 points. They beat the Clippers 106 to 105. Yeah, Middleton has killed me in fantasy basketball. Got to be honest. Him and AD, they've killed me. Thanks for the keepers, guys. Uh, those those were the keepers I was given with Fred Van Vliet. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Giannis is incredible. The fact that they beat the Clippers, that's a, such a huge win for the Sacramento Kings. Like, you need the yep. all of these teams in the Pacific Division to actually get, get pushed down just a little bit more every single time. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Like, look, when that guy is on, when he's he turns into the Greek freak, uh, I don't. There's no one in the league that can stop him. He's probably the most unstoppable player at this point in the NBA. And you put him right there with like LeBron was the most op- unstoppable player for you know 18 years or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Giannis has kind of taken that reign where when he decides to take over and and be that guy, you know, he's stuffing the stat sheet and it's all over the place. Uh, if you have the opportunity, go out of your way to see the final possession and the defense the Bucks played on Kawhi Leonard. Just incredible. Again, Bucks win 106-105, but you talk about the hallmark of a great defensive team. They just hounded Kawhi all night, who finished with 17 points on 26 shots. They Oof. made his life miserable. Uh, the all-star, Paul, Paul George, uh, scored 16 on 16. <sighs> and the Clippers lose. But that's all right. I'll take the Clippers loss. That's, that's all that matters. Again, as we said, aside from uh, the NBA coaches collectively uh, screwing De'Aaron Fox out of an all-star position, a lot went right for Sacramento. Indiana couldn't hold on to a lead against the Los Angeles Lakers. But that was about it. Uh, the game most people were watching, 
was Cleveland and Memphis, and it really was a shame to see the Memphis Grizzlies uh, get their ass kicked. I actually had that game on uh, as I was listening to Happy Hour, and I was doing some things in the kitchen, and I just happened to look up as uh, uh, Dylan Brooks goes tumbling down to the floor, spots Donovan Mitchell for no reason, rolls, lifts his arm up, and whacks Donovan, uh, as Steven Adams would say, right in the Kiwis, mate. And Donovan reacted, threw the ball at him. A scuffle emerged. Brooks got taken out. Uh, groups got separated. Long, long review uh, resulted in Brooks uh, and Donovan Mitchell getting thrown out. And it was at that moment I confirmed what I felt like I already knew, Hammer, and that is I hate the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> you know what? Dylan Brooks is one of those players that you hate when he's on the opposition, and the second he's on your team, you embrace him. I'm it, having a hard time envisioning that. that he's so gritty. Sucks. Uh, he he borderlines on dirty at all times. He's physical. Like uh, the Kings need a Dylan Brooks. The, the Kings could use Dylan Brooks. Like if you could work a deal where you found a couple of the the gritty players that they have, the Dylan Brooks and the Brandon Clarks of the world. Like I'm all in. Like those guys, the Kings. That might be the one thing this Kings team is missing. You know, it's it's really pretty basketball a lot of the time, especially on the offensive end. But like they don't really have that. Like get down and get dirty. Uh, player that you know outside of Sabonis who just sits there and you know gets whacked in the head every single game but mm -hmm. like I would I would love to see uh, a couple of players like that added to this roster and see if they can you know like figure things out you know if they could they could integrate them into the system and make them part of what they they do uh, you know the the Memphis Grizzlies are built a very specific way and that's it's Taylor Jenkins right and like he has his team play hard for 48 minutes and you rarely see a team that that plays all the way out every single game you a six point lead eight point lead with a minute left is not safe against memphis they're going to make you play every second and that's something that i hope that you know an identity that i hope that the kings can develop and we have some other young teams in the league like OKC that kind of have that same type of identity. But that's really, really, that's a good thing to have. It's it's something that, you know, I wish the Kings uh, had more of, you know, over the last few years. Darius Garland on a night that he missed out on the All-Star game uh, had 32 points and 11 assists. Really stepped up in a big way with Memphis hounding uh, Donovan Mitchell, the way that we, he they they were, and then uh, ultimately uh, Mitchell getting thrown out. But after that ejection, things really opened up for uh, Cleveland, and they were able to to run away with the win. So uh, more positives for the Sacramento Kings. Oh, the the, the Mavericks beat the Pelicans. That's kind of one of those win win situations where you know either result goes your way. It does put the Pelicans at ten losses, ten losses in a row. They got the Lakers tomorrow. So they got the Lakers on Saturday, and then, of course, the second night of a back-to-back -back, uh, on Sunday. All eyes are going to be on LeBron James moving forward uh, as he's now 63 points away uh, from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time leading scorer record. 
he was asked uh, if he has 63 in him in, in New Orleans, and he smiled and says, yeah, I, I, I do. I don't know that I'm going to do it, uh, but I absolutely do have 63 in me, and I think we're about to enter a stretch where five of the next six games, five of the next six Laker games are on national television, uh, so this moment can be seen by everybody, including this one uh, on Saturday. But that's an interesting note for the Sacramento Kings, who, of course, they play tonight, but the Pelicans will play uh, the Lakers on Saturday afternoon, and then they'll play the Sacramento Kings on Sunday. And as it stands right now, uh, the Pelicans have lost 10 in a row. That's always dangerous, though. Like the laws of averages at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. And it doesn't look like they're going to have uh, – like I was reading up on uh, Zion. They said, he, you know, he's got a hamstring issue. They just cleared him to start um, like running a, a little bit but they're, they're still not going to put a, a timeline on his recovery and how long until he'll be back. Um, like, that's a dangerous team. You know, they, they've got a bunch of scores, and they've got a bunch of length, which is something that Sacramento Kings usually have struggles with um, as far as, you know, Brandon Ingram, and uh, I like Herbert Jones. Like, I, C.J. McCollum's great. Like, they've got, they've got some players there still. Uh, you just wonder, like, are they are they at that point where they could like implode and they could mm. like fire a coach and and stuff like that or are they there or are they not there yet i know they started off like what 0 and 13 or 1 and 13 last season and then turned things around mm. but uh, man this team has you, fallen on hard times and they're dangerous you can't fire my man willie green that's not know. fair that's not fair you can you you can this is, ingram too the thing about ingram is He's obviously playing in pain. I think that's been stated as such. Like, everything he does moving forward is just going to be a pain management situation. Which leads me to this. this that the, the, the Ingram portion of this could blow up at any minute. He could very well hit a situation. I guess it's probably similar to what, what Domas is dealing with. He could get to a point at any minute where he goes, I, I can't play through this. I, I can't. I can't play through this every single night the way that this feels. Uh, and we're, you know, we're we're still thirty plus playoffs, thirty plus you know games away from the end of the season. So that's a lot to you know to ask a player who carries the load uh, that Brandon Ingram does uh, to play through. Uh, but he had twenty six last night. He you know he 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 looks good. They're just you know you remember prior to De'Aaron's uh, absence you would catch moments where he's walking off the court and you were one of the first people who pointed this out to me. Like, is there something wrong? Like there's just something clearly. I feel like that's happening with Ingram a little bit where he doesn't show it, but if you catch the right moment, you can see he's in like a, a certain level of discomfort. Yeah. Watching De'Aaron Fox walk, walk into the locker room before he missed those two games with the, the foot, the sore feet. Um, like that was brutal to watch. Like he, you know, and I've seen it forever, like players come in and they've got their feet in ice buckets when they, when you come into the, the locker room, yeah. it's not the case anymore after games because, um, players don't typically come in, uh, to the locker room until they've already got their treatment somewhere else. There's not a bunch of guys in the locker room in post game like there used to be. Um, but now it's like, you know, we used to have to like roll a bucket out of the way, like, Hey, we're going to. Are, are we going to get De'Aaron and like he roll a bucket out of the way or DeMarcus? DeMarcus always had his mm -hmm. feet in. They had uh, these little neoprene uh, like socks that were like this big that just covered their toes. So they weren't getting like frostbite while they're in, in the bucket. 
but yeah, uh, like these guys, like what they, the damage they do to their bodies and what it takes to maintain these guys. I think, you know, the, the King's medical staff is new this year. Um, they, they had a major change over the summer. Uh, and like this team has been knock on wood. They've been really healthy. They've done a good job of getting through injuries when they do have them of, of, you know, making sure the players aren't doing more damage to themselves about here and there, you'll see the load management. Like we saw Malik Monk get to a point where Mike Brown actually pulled a plug and said, look, he, he doesn't look like himself. So we're going to sit him. Um, I think that the Kings have done a really good job of maintaining their, their health throughout the season so far. Yeah. And I think you touched on this and I don't think this is an off the record conversation. You touched on it on off the record though. De'Aaron Fox is exhibit a, why you don't change sneaker brands during the season. You figure that stuff out in the off season. You don't go, you can, I'm okay trying different shoes along the same lines. I wouldn't even try different shoes in the same brand. Like if you're wearing Kobe's, you try Kobe, this Kobe or that Kobe or this Kobe. Or if you're wearing Kyrie's, you try this Kyrie or that Kyrie, but you don't try these Kobe's and then try those Kyrie's because the two shoes fit very, very differently. And you absolutely don't try Under Armour and then go to New Balance. Which is what I think De'Aaron Fox was doing around that time. Yeah, De'Aaron Fox is a is a shoe free agent, and so he decided early ridiculous. in the season to to try out a couple of the shoes. Um, he went through Converse, he went through New Balance, and he re- I think he stuck with the Steffs uh, because mm-hmm. they're from from Under Armour because they uh, they have the built in ankle support um, or at least built in where you can wear ankle braces with them. They're, they're specifically built for that uh, because Steph had all of his ankle issues and it's something that De'Aaron, you know, again, he's had a couple of major ankle issues in the past. Um, I think it did play a huge part in him missing a couple of games. And I don't really blame him for like trying something else out because I mean, look, like, look, you could be within the same brand of like, say Nike and just wear a different style of shoe, trying to figure out what works for you and what doesn't. And you could end up stressing a foot out without any question. Um, but yeah, I, I think it did play a part in what happened early in the season. And, and then he's, he stuck with a shoe and he just wears different versions of them, different colors, all kinds of different stuff. But um, I think he'll, he probably at, by this season's end, he won't be uh, a free agent any longer when it comes to shoes. I switched shoes. I switched training shoes like right before Christmas and it was just the worst idea ever like I wound up hurting my knee I was just in so much pain and I realized that the shoe that I was wearing I went from like an Air Max 270 to an Air Max 360 the 360 was super narrow and I just thought oh I'll break it in it'll be fine just run break it in you'll be fine it was not fine James it was terrible the shoes have been put in a closet yeah I'm someone who gets shin splints so if I switch to the wrong shoe at the wrong time I'll get shin splints um when I'm I'm doing my my walking workouts around the lake this is why I just choose to stay boring and just train in the same things over and over and over and over and over again and I'll be I'll be sticking with the 270s uh for a that's long what time. Costa did like I, I've told this story like Costa Kufis had this one pair of shoe that he found probably like five years earlier and he bought like 10 or 15 pairs and he would wear them until they're falling apart like if you zoomed in on Costa Kufis' shoes you'd be like bro you're an NBA player what are you doing out there like they were some they were ugly and they were falling apart and they did not but he's like hey man this is what these fit they, what works I, I got giant feet 
they feel good. Uh, I wear them until they die. And then on the flip side, you had a guy like DeMarcus Cousins who wore a new pair of shoes every single game. Like even if it was the same shoe, he had a new pair. And that's not, I, I never thought that was a good idea either, which again, he had foot problems. Like, But it's what they send you. I know you know, a lot of people who I, I I don't know that I know anyone who's switched shoes every game, but I know a lot of people who would switch shoes like every ten games uh, or twelve games. Uh, but they will have practiced in the new shoe either that morning or the day before. Like the first time, they're not pulling tissue out of the shoe uh, in the locker room before the game. Like they've been on their feet uh, at least one time prior. Do you know what? Do you know the origins of the Costa? gif the famous costa kufus gif do you do you know the origins of that no the the funny look that he gets yeah just it's it's one of the great gifts on the planet and i just realized i don't know the origins of this i, I don't know what where is this i mean obviously i know where it's from like what is the story behind this i have no idea i don't know either i, I will tell you it was probably a demarcus cousin situation um <laughs> And he's one of my favorite people to ever cover. Just such Demarcus? a good dude. No. Oh. Costa. I know. Costa. Uh, Demarcus, yeah. I mean, Demarcus, clearly the most intriguing player to ever cover. But uh, as far as, like, one of the best dudes that you're ever going to run into is Costa. Just down to earth. Just a super nice guy. Uh, he, His dad was a doctor. Um, I think his dad was a child oncologist. Uh, so dealt with like children cancers and then died of cancer when Costa was very young. And so he's a guy who's given back to his community. He's been incredible uh, in Ohio and he's still playing. He's playing in uh, in England right now and doing very, very well. I think he's play he plays with Sam Decker on his team. Wow. Yeah. He's one, but like easily one of my favorite players ever to ever cover. Just such a good dude. That's good stuff. I stumbled across something um, I had referenced earlier this week. It was Keith Pompey, uh, our guy in Philly, covers the 76ers, been on the show many mm -hmm. times. Uh, he's talked about Sacramento's interest in Matisse Thybul, Uh and I believe he was the first one to report Golden State's interest uh, in Matisse Thybul as well. But I did catch a slight miscalculation on Keith Pompey's part when he was reporting on this, and he was talking about Matisse Thybul and the fit with Sacramento. Uh, and he said Thibault would be a strong addition to the starting lineup. And I looked at that and I read that over and over and over again to make sure I wasn't losing any context here. It was on Hoops Hype, so I had to read the entire article. And I was like, yep, yeah, no, I think Keith is a little off on that. There isn't a place for Matisse Thibault uh, in the starting lineup. Though I lean a lot closer to the way you think versus the way that Kenny thinks. And I do think Matisse Thibault works on this roster. Uh, and I think it is about what Mike Brown values on his team and the reason that you know we often talk about where would Matisse Thibel's minutes come from I, I I don't think there's a player who can fill the role I mean we could talk about KZ Akpala and the thing that he did things that he does right uh, I think Matisse Thibel's a little bit stronger in in some of those categories than he is but the reason it's not big Terrence Davis minutes or the reason it's 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 not big you know insert player's name here is because they can't do exactly what Mike Brown wants them to do Matisse Thibel might be that guy. Might be that guy. Yeah, I mean, I think Thibel could carve out a niche for himself. And and the other thing is, Thibel is a restricted free agent at the end of the year, uh, at 25 years old, at where Harrison Barnes is not. 
And so if you can transition to a major defensive piece, it, it's possible that Thibault could be a starter going forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been a starter on a very, very good Philadelphia 76ers team for years. Uh, but, you know, if, if you could see a, a moment where, you know, if, again, Harrison Barnes decides he doesn't want to be part of the team anymore and goes somewhere else this summer, or Keegan Murray is a player who goes from 12 points or 13 points in his rookie season to 18 points in his second season and pairing him with a guy like Thibel would make sense. Um, I also like Thibel's versatility, his ability to play the two and the three uh, and to defend the one, the one, the two and the three. Um, so I do like his versatility and, and what he brings to the table. Uh, it It's going to come down to price and like, what is it that you have to extend and can he find his role in his niche? But like, look at Gary Payton, the what Gary Payton the third, uh, what he did last year. Yeah, Gary Payton the second for uh, for the Golden State Warriors, mm-hmm. and you know he was able to hit a three here and there. He's able to go in and hammer a ball down on occasion and and stretch the floor vertically. Um, and I think that that's sort of the role that you might see him play in Sacramento. And got to be honest with you, like if you're going to take minutes away from somebody. Um, like, especially if you're talking about like a playoff, if you get closer to playoff time and you start to shrink your rotation, like I, I think we'd see more Malik Monk at the backup point guard spot alongside a guy like Thibel. We'd see a lot of De'Aaron Fox with Thibel, um, you know, and, you know, I think we would see less minutes for maybe a guy like Trey Lyles, uh, but also maybe a guy like Davion where it's just tough to fit everybody on the court when you shrink down to a seven or eight man rotation in the playoffs. There's also a lot of skepticism as to whether he's actually available or not. And if these aren't just kind of like rumors, like it's not a, it is far, far from a far gone conclusion that Philadelphia is actually going to move Matisse Thibel. Um, it's interesting. The math checks out. The contract, as you noted, it checks out. And another, uh, another thing in Keith's article that caught my attention, particularly in the comments below, is fans are completely split on him. There, it's like it's you either absolutely love what he brings to the basketball floor or you just think he's terrible and useless. It feels stunningly similar to the conversations we're beginning to have about Davion Mitchell. I feel like people are either really fr- – no one dislikes Davion Mitchell, but I think people are either frustrated with Davion Mitchell or they're really appreciative of what he does at the offensive end. It, it, it sounded like that's how Philly feels about Matisse Thibel. Philly fans – feel about Matisse Thibel. Yeah, I think it's funny. Like, it's the same way that OKC fans feel about Darius Baisley. Some mm. people are like, oh, first round pick, first round pick. And it's like, uh, and other people are like, man, if you could get a second for him, that'd be great. Um, and then I'll also point out, like, look, Philly is in cap hell. They're going to be going forward, too. They've got a bunch of really expensive players. And it's not going to take much to offer something that they can't match next offseason for Thibel. And they understand that, you know, if you, if you go like a, a two year, $15 million deal, I, I don't think they can match that for, for a player that they may or may not have huge amounts of value in. And so you're probably going to lose him for nothing. Same thing with Darius Baisley. You're probably going to lose him for nothing. If you're OKC, Josh Richardson, same thing in San Antonio. These are guys, at least the two young guys are restricted free agents and you can match any deal for them if you extend qualifying offers. But 
you know, a guy like Richardson or a guy like Plumlee, we're talking about rentals. And that's where this team, this Kings team has gotten to where you're at least considering that, you know, it's like I've compared it to baseball. You get to a certain point in the season. And if you're in it, you look at your, your bullpen, you look and see if your fifth starter is good enough. You look to see if you need another bat in the lineup and you go attack those things in at the trade deadline and, and bring those guys in. Uh, or you're not a good team and you sell off those pieces because, you know, you're not going to be able to keep them around the, the guys who are, you know, on expiring contracts. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the Kings could play again, play on the peripheral a little bit here and really improve this team. And it's surprising that Malice, uh, Matisse Thibel has gotten to a point where I think he's more of a, a player on the peripheral than uh, like a frontline starter guy. Uh, but it's kind of the way his career has gone. So. Uh, more trade rumors and a fired up Trista Crick. She's not happy about De'Aaron Fox not making the all-star team. She joins us when uh, D'Lo and James Ham return here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. Return here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. D'Lo and KC continues streaming live on the Odyssey app. Live on the Odyssey app, great way to listen to the show. Uh, you could also watch the show on twitch.tv slash ESPN1320, youtube.com slash ESPN1320. Uh, Trista Crick said to join us here at the top of the hour. Kyle Matson uh, immediately following that. I haven't got the opportunity to hang out with Kyle for a couple of weeks, so that'll be fun. Uh, Hammer, it was an interesting Woj tweet uh, during a conversation we were having earlier about rival teams this is from adrian wojanowski among rival teams there's far more interest in inquiring on kevin durant's reaction to kyrie irving's trade request and how that may impact kd's future with the nets so what it reads like is kyrie requested a trade and everyone said hey how's kevin feel about this because you know if he wants out we we could put something together for you here yeah, that's a call that you have to make, right? Yeah. Like, like if I'm uh, like the other teams, like we could definitely see Phoenix get back into that race. And and I think that that's something like the Kings were had conversations like during the offseason. Uh, at least we've heard it afterwards that um, like if Kevin Durant had fallen through in Phoenix, uh, that Phoenix was going to work with Sacramento on some deal for uh, Harrison Barnes. And mm -hmm. uh, and then when it came time that the deal finally fell through, it took so long that the Kings are like, yeah, we're we're set now. We're going to go into the season with the team that we have and we're not going to deal. Uh, we're not going to deal Harrison. So um, like, I, I think that these things all liven up again, not the not on the uh, Harrison Barnes front, because I, I don't think the Kings are going to shop Harrison Barnes at all here at the deadline. Um, they're worried too much about culture and chemistry and. And he's played really well, but also like what he means inside that locker room, what he means to this team. Um, and I think they're just going to roll the dice and hope that they've done enough that maybe he'd want to stick around or maybe they can find a player that makes more sense than him um, between now and then, you know. But uh, yeah, uh, it, it's going to get wild. This is, you know, this is what the trade deadline always does. It's quiet, quiet, quiet. And then all of a sudden, like chaos. Yeah, the only difference, at least as it pertains to Sacramento, is this time the team is good. So, like that's a that's a first where you've got a team in the third spot at twenty eight in, or excuse me, twenty nine and twenty one, 
and you know we're worried about normal we're we're regularly worried about chemistry we're rarely worried about messing up how good the chemistry is and so that's a whole new that's a whole new wrinkle to these Harrison Barnes conversations that's a whole new wrinkle to trade conversations in general because we see guys um, celebrating those defensive player of the chain or defensive player of the game uh chain presentations in the locker room uh we see every single member of the Sacramento Kings including the Mia Skeeta and the guys in street clothes celebrating and fully engaged in the game. That wasn't always the case uh, in recent years. Uh, you'd see guys on the bench checked out. You'd see guys in street clothes uh, checked out. Everyone on the Kings sideline, on the Kings bench, is fully engaged into what's going on. So that makes even trades that we on the outside perceive to be small, it might mean a little bit more to the locker room than it does to to us. Yeah, and and I'll even tell you this, like I know how much uh like De'Aaron Fox thinks how highly he thinks of uh of Harrison Barnes. And I I wouldn't put it past Fox to have conversations within the walls there about, you know, what what he believes that Harrison means to the team and what uh the the team's reaction was when they traded Iman Shumpert a few years ago and just sort of how that season spun out out of control when you you gave up a guy who everyone in the locker room relied on for something and so again like I don't know that Fox has had those conversations but I wouldn't put it past him to at least if they ask him like what would your preference be here should like would you say go ahead and trade Harrison or not the answer would be like, no, don't trade Harrison. Like, that's not what we want to do here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's 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 new territory. Um, prior to Kyrie's latest trade deadline grenade, uh, the OG and Anobi rumors picked up quite a bit last night. Um, then we started seeing things this morning, like Westbrook to the Jazz is. Uh, gotten back into the conversation, and and that was one we heard about. That's another one we heard about months ago, and it's starting to make me feel like I don't feel like anything is actually happening. I think we're just rehashing old stuff. Because so far, everything we've really heard about the trade deadline has been stuff that we've already heard, Uh, whether it's Westbrook and the Jazz or, you know, the John Collins stuff that just – lingers over every trade deadline and every offseason for eternity, and I just think that's ultimately going to be his destiny is he is the trade deadline guy. Um, and now you got the OG Ananobi stuff uh, popping back up, and given where Toronto is, I feel like that might be becoming a little bit more likely than I originally thought because I didn't understand. I was like, "What? you can play through this. Like, th- this team's too talented. They're They're – they're trickling further and further back from even playing conversations. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's shocking that uh, that Pascal Siakam didn't make the all-star team up there mm. uh, just because of how good a season he's had. Um, but the fact is they aren't winning. And I think we're starting to see, like even the Nick Nurse interview from earlier in the week when they talked about OG being out for the rest of the, the road trip. And he's like, hmm, okay, well, that's weird. You know, we're going to be out here for a while. So, uh, you know, how do we know he's going to be out through the road trip? I I just thought it was like the way that he addressed it had a lot of fans going, oh, 
Yeah, I don't think OG's coming back. Um, There's a disconnect somewhere. Like there, that. Yeah. I, 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 and I'm sorry to be repetitive because I know we talked about this when the two team when when they played Sacramento. This team's too talented to be where they are right now. There's talent on the Toronto Raptors. There's a disconnect somewhere. I don't know if it's Nick Nurse. I don't know if it's the makeup of the talent, which is obviously very important to 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 a team's success. But there's there's something somewhere within this organization that's not connecting, and it is not the talent. That group is talented. Yeah, but you know when I watch that team, like I I understand. It's kind of like when you walk into the season as the Sacramento Kings the last two years, and you got four or five centers on the roster. You know, like if you're gonna walk into a season with like sort of like seven repetitive players that all play the same basic position you're going to have problems like they're long, they're athletic. They gave the Kings fits, but do they give everyone fits? Do other teams have, you know, mechanisms in place to deal with the, the length and the athleticism of that team, especially since, you know, if you can beat them to the hoop all the time, if you can run a lot of different actions against them, there's a way to get through. And I mean, clearly they're, they're a team that has lost a lot more than they've won. So, um, I don't know. I, I don't know what the disconnect is. Again, I, I told you before, like I covered that team during the finals and I, I was always super impressed with Nick Nurse, but that was when he was young uh, as far as like early in his coaching career there. Um, he had just taken over from Dwayne uh, Casey, right? The yeah. year before. Yep. Um, and, and so like they were a good team that just caught like a wild streak and, and raced through the playoffs. They had the big three-pointer from Kawhi uh that was that over philly yeah uh they got them game yeah, seven got them to the finals and uh you know they're that team like they're rolling but now something just feels off and it, there clearly is a like a, a disconnect between what they need and what they have right they clearly they need more shooting they need more three-point shooting they need like specific things and what they're doing is they're trying to make players into something that they're not and, and that's really tough to find consistency when you're asking players that haven't, you know, throughout their careers been three-point shooters and they now have to be three-point shooters because you don't have any three-point shooters. Yeah, and the answer for them probably isn't out there. It's certainly not out there in the next six days, um, which is unfortunate. Um, again, I think that team is really good. I, I, I think they're well-coached. I don't know what the disconnect is. Maybe OG, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what you're getting back for him that's 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 going to help you. Uh, but clearly, maybe they need to take a page out of Monty McNair's book. Monty McNair was very good at going out and getting shooters. Uh, maybe that's exactly what Toronto needs to do. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 